People tell me about being bored. I don't remember the last time I was bored. Because when you really start to uncover what you are, everything about you and the way that you think and the way that you feel and what that means becomes so fascinating that we're little kids again. We're little kids asking why, but we realize that no one has the answers, so we just keep exploring, we keep playing, we keep looking. And that is Carlos Tal. He's my guest on today's episode. Guys, welcome to the Life Expanded Podcast. It's been a while. I've taken a bit of a personal sabbatical away from all social media and, and doing these kinds of things but i'm back and i'm so excited to get the podcast rolling again got some exciting episodes coming up and some exciting plans for the life expanded brand but uh, let's delve into this episode wow what an amazing conversation i had the privilege of meeting carlos out to where i stay and every time i've had interactions with him it's just i feel like i'm chatting to a mystic an old soul um someone that's wise beyond their years and just got so much knowledge um to share i was lucky enough to attend one of these workshops uh movement workshops and even then it's hard to put into words what what it is that carlos does because so much of what he does is actually stripping away of these concepts and labels and boxes that we put ourselves into but um he helps people you know read he redirects people back at themselves and kind of points out the magic and mystery of, of life and taps into that through movement. But uh, give this episode a listen. You'll see what I mean. It's, it's yeah, chatting to Carlos is just what an awesome privilege and I uh, can't wait to share this episode with you guys. So enjoy, let me know what you think and um, we'll see you on the next one. that that getting out of your own way thing at the for beginning sure. Yeah. for sure I wanted to to kick this off with something I was thinking about earlier and, and actually what happened to me after your guys workshop on the weekend uh, that I was lucky enough to attend and it was it was really phenomenal and I got home and Tara like asked me she said you know how was it what was it like and I, and I, I was like yeah it was it was it was it was great but I literally didn't have the words to really describe it because it's, it is, like you say, kind of hard to sometimes put into words. And I think words sometimes do a disservice to, to things. And, and from my perspective, what I can somewhat see what, what you guys are doing, it's, you can't put it into a box. You can't label it. And you know, it's not this or it's that. It's, 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 most of it is to be felt and experienced. So I think with this podcast as well, it's slightly challenging because we're going to try putting to words what it is that you guys do. And I think that so much of what you do is, like I said, to be experienced. So we can try our best. Um, but yeah, I, I was hoping to maybe kick this off with maybe a little bit about, before we get into it, trying to put into words what it is that you do, you know, a little bit about your background, your history, and what got you onto this path of where you are now working with movement and people and really getting people to have these experiences? That's such an interesting question because as soon as you, we started this off with me saying that I'm trying to get out of the way of what I want to say. And it's, it's like the mythology of me, right? Like the mythology, my own story. It's taken on so many lives that... I've tried to come up with so many reasons of why I'm doing what I'm doing now and, 
and and what the actual threads are. And it, it, the more that I do this, and the more that years go by, the more that I realize that I've kind of, I've kind of infused editing into that. I have no idea. That's that's the the truth of it. Except I've always felt that there was something in me that was trying to say something. There was there there was some. Was it even the, the word something in me? There, there was something to be said in me. I think that's a better way to put it. Uh, but shy beyond, shy beyond normal, shy beyond uh, people's normal shyness to be able to express things in words. And so I never saw myself doing anything like this. I, I'd love to read. I never saw myself really in movement. I was never athletic. Um, but I loved to read, and I loved magic, and I, I, I loved knowledge and, and asking questions and, and science and anything that had that sense of mystery to it. Because it, 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 it was always mind-boggling to me how all the adults that I knew were just walking around as if this world was completely normal, as if it was no big deal, as if it was um, a foregone conclusion that we exist and the reasons why, but nobody had the answers when I would ask them. So everyone was walking around as if they knew, but when they were really questioned, no one knew. Yeah. And, and, and that was, I think that was the beginning. I think that was the beginning of, of, of starting to grow up and, and, and like most of us growing up in a way that, that we're asked to let go of some of that magic. And it's, it's the price for acceptance and admittance into this culture, into this adult way of life was that the price to be paid was letting go of some of those things that we held dear as children. And, and that was really a difficult time. It was, and, and I saw it coming. And I don't know if that's, everybody kind of sees it coming or, or some of us are unlucky enough to kind of predict this ending of magic in our lives. And, and, and I was seeing it coming. And the more that it would come, the more this knot in my stomach was was growing bigger and, 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 and I was looking into things like religion. I, I don't know if we spoke about it earlier, but I, I was an altar boy. You know, oh, no, I didn't know that. At least it was an, a socially acceptable being, you know, the Catholic religion. So it was socially sanctioned magic. Okay. Like we're allowed to believe in magic yes. as long as it's within this, this bubble. So it's the best that I had. So I was like, well, you know, there's some weird stuff there. You know, there's, there's, there's a dude that was born of a virgin and he could do really cool things. And I'm like, well, okay, maybe this is, maybe this is the link. And, and I, and I went down, but, but it, it ended up being a lot more the same, a lot more questions than answers and people acting as if without a real foundation to stand on, like a real foundation to their beliefs. They, they, they would believe in this magical other world, but the way that they would live their lives and the fears around it weren't really, didn't have the same fragrance as the beliefs that they were telling me that they had. Like a disconnect. There was a disconnect. I mean, if you really truly believed what you're telling me, your life would look so much different. 100%. Oh, your face would look so much different. Yes. The way that you would deal with, with difficulties would be different. The way yeah. that you would deal with other human beings would be different. Yeah. Um, I think we, we've actually spoken about I don't know what's before but it just came to mind and he has this thing where he talks about what you say now and he says like like if Jehovah's Witnesses or, or Christians really believed that they'd be they'd be out in the street screaming and shouting and creating you know it, there would be a difference to it 
there's a bit of a disconnect. Yeah, and it, and it would be that, that old poem, and, and death would have no dominion. Mm. There, there, would, there would be nothing to fear in that mm. sense, but, but, but it seemed to be, seemed to be um, a, a flimsy story uh, held on because of fear. And, and that, was, that became more and more obvious, and, and, and I, so I kept searching. I searched in books, I searched in other practices, I searched um, in drugs, that, that, was, that was a big one. And, and weirdly, was the closest thing to an answer that I had found. And, and I'm not talking psychedelics, those were their first, but even, even some of the, the, the more, um, I'd say, dangerous in the sense of, 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 really, of really getting lost in them. And, but, but there was that, that feeling, that taste. Again, it's like, oh, this is magic. And this isn't something that's requiring a belief or it's requiring me to put my thinking to the side. There's, a, there's an experience of something that's beyond the world that we're, we're, we're being told is, is the real one. So that became another, another kind of, of doorway of, of exploration. And, and the answers were nowhere. Mm. And that, 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 I think, was, was the dark night of the soul, in a sense but also a freedom. It's like, okay, the answers aren't there. There's nothing to memorize. There's no one to ask. Yeah. And then it came, it's like, well, and if there's someone to ask, who, I, who would I ask? Another human being. Why would another human being have any access to anything that this human being doesn't? And, th and that started down an, another pathway. And, and, and yoga, just became just especially at the beginning. It's it sounds almost um, sacrilegious for me to say this because it's it's how I started this career. It's how I started this, but it was just another path. It was just another doorway in an attempt to to touch on on what that magic was, and and the physical practice of it was again just in an attempt to imitate and memorize in hopes of recreating the experience that I had read about in books. And, 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 and that was the beginning, but that was only the beginning. Okay. That's, there's so many things that I've touched on, but magic, I feel, from my experience, I hear what you're saying, as you go older, you kind of, you almost, it gets lost. Mm. And uh, for me, I was obsessed with Harry Potter as a kid. Mm. And that's just like the, the magic and the mystery and the, and, um, there is that in life. And I was also, I was at a Catholic school, I was raised in a Catholic school, and I was like, okay. Um, but it just left me with more questions, and I was like, no, no, no. So I also was seeking for years all these different modalities, and this practice, and that practice, and got into yoga, and for me, um, that became almost the closest thing to getting more in touch with myself. And um, But still, all these things to some degree had kind of boxes on them. Um, slight kind of yeah restrictions and the more I've, I've done my own seeking uh, with a lot of actual plant medicines and whatnot to come to come to that realization um i think you were touching on it where you realize instead of looking for the answers from somebody else which is what we tend to do and we but there's we also have access to there's nothing else that somebody else can have that we can't have so i've realized realized that to some degree and, and, and um, that experience of life uh, becomes more interesting and from what I can from correct me if I'm wrong from what I can see that is that you're now 
to some degree doing. That's why I hesitate to say, well, this is what you do, or this is what you teach, as if it's something separate to a lifestyle mm. and a way of being. And if we are in this world to experience, our bodies are the vessel through which we are experiencing that. And with what you're doing, uh, am I correct in saying that it's, it's tapping into more of that body's innate wisdom and and movement and getting more in touch with that or um, what is your I suppose desired outcome form for for what you're doing and the people that you work with what are you what are you seeing with them from what you're kind of teaching them well here's I, I want to go back to something that you said about the the mythologies that that we grow up with yeah and and regardless of who we are, that mythology seems to be something that's necessary. We're, we're we're constant storytellers, whether we tell the stories outward or they're inside of us. Even at the beginning, when you asked, uh, "How did I start?" There's a mythology there. Mm. There's there's a story. There's mm. there's a history that that I've built and created, and and it's got to me, it's got substance to it in in that sense. And and we want these mythologies to be true. We all want these mythologies to be true because you grew up yeah. in Catholic school and at least as a kid, I, I wanted, I mean, yes. it was weird and it was cool and, you know, there were, there were like speaking in weird tones and there was bells and smells and my senses and you said that the body is the way that we, it's the only way that we experience anything in, in that sense. It all comes in through our senses and my senses were overwhelmed with this incredible story. But the mythology falls short. And we all get to that point where we're really wanting the mythology to be true, but we, we have choices at that point to either put aside some of our, some of our thinking, some of our, our knowing in order to buy into mythology, or we leave it and, and, and move on to something else. And, and, and no matter what culture I would start to, to examine and I would look into, there was, there was all of these stories, because all of our stories, even our own personal histories, only take us back so far. Our memories only go back so far. But that question, that who are we, needs that darkness filled in somehow. And that's where these mythologies go. And we've traded in mythologies over time. You know, Christianity, we've traded in for science, you know, for um, industry, for the clockwork universe, which is just another story. It's just another mythology. And then we act as if through these different mythologies. But then what's the essence in us? What is that story that we all share, that darkness that we all kind of come from, that we all go back into our personal history so far. And then there's this, there's this, this questioning, this, this, this place of, that's right behind the back of our skulls, that we know it's where we come from, that we know that that's most of what we are, that this little tiny peak of personality that's coming out now is the tip of a very, very ancient iceberg. So what I was looking to do is find out what that is beyond the story. What are all the stories pointing to? What's, what's, what's this, this inherent question that we have inside of us? And, and, and it became very obvious to me that most of what we are, we talk about intelligence, but the intelligence that we talk about when we talk about intelligence is this superficial bit of what our intelligence really consists of. And it consists of the fact that you're growing your fingernails right now, you're growing your hair, you're figuring out how to run the rods and cones of your eyes, you're figuring out how to alchemize 
the elements of this world from particle into waves of energy in order to express something called consciousness and intention. That's not a story that requires belief. That's a story that can be experienced, that it's happening right now and it's happening in you. There's no doubt about that. No one would even challenge that, which now leads that the intelligence of what we are, what we truly are, is magic on a level that we've lost touch with, that we've bought into a story that hasn't allowed us to see the wonder that's in front mm. of us. So pulling back the veil of what keeps us from seeing what's already there. I always say that, that, people, that, that people's bodies make me sound really, really much smarter than I am because I'm just pointing them back at themselves and looking at the body. It's like, well, where does your shoulder want to be? Well, what is your breath doing? How, how is it that you're doing that? And pointing them back into themselves because like what you said, this is it. Mm. Dalai Lama, Krishna, Buddha, Jesus, they all had one body, one life, mm. one experience one way of seeing the world just like you. Mm. So to build, rebuild that trust, to trick people into seeing themselves and what they really are, even for just a moment, now they're on an adventure. Yeah. Now they're on the adventure. And usually at that point, I could just get out of the way or just kind of yes. nudge or help or you know, give hints towards things. But it's, it's that vision. Yeah. It's that big seeing. It's it's getting someone to look somewhere that they think they've already looked. Mm. And they're trying to talk to you about what they think is there yeah. because they've been told what's there. Yes. And to get them out of that is one of the trickiest things that I do because they want to continue to discuss it rationally with me. No, but it's this, but it's that. Just do it. Just feel. Just breathe. Then we'll talk. Then we'll talk. But we've glorified a certain layer of our intelligence at the demise of this other incredible world of intelligence in us. So reawakening that. Getting, getting people out of their own way. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, yeah that's, that definitely rings so true. And yeah, so we, we, we tell ourselves all these stories. Um, and I think, as I mentioned earlier, touching on drugs or, or psychedelics or whatever, they allow you to break through that veil for mm -hmm. bits at a time and to see, okay, there's something that, that can't be put into words. There is an intelligence and there is. And, and we tell ourselves these stories. Like even, for instance, yoga. Um, I know you mentioned it in the workshop. It's like sometimes we get too caught up in trying to do the right person, trying to... So we're not allowing it to flow, to happen, to... Mm -hmm. um, yeah, we, we, we get caught up in our own heads and realizing that if we can, I suppose, step back from that, mm -hmm. just allow life to be through us, become a bit, we can almost find that magic again that we lost um, to some degree. It's, it was never lost. Yeah. It was always right. there. Even, even, even the thought it was lost comes from a magical place, which is what's so silly about it. It's just turning one back on itself. Yeah. The fact that you were not, and then you exist. And not only you, do you exist, but somehow you become conscious of that. Now you're aware that you're aware of your existence. And you figured out how to turn this world of waves and particles, this world of probabilities, into something that feels substantial. And you're able to somehow create with small mouth sounds, 
symbols to describe an internal experience of this thing called consciousness that we're not even sure what it is or where it comes from. That's what's going on in the doubting that there's magic in you. Mm. It's required even within the doubt, even to have the doubt that, eh, I kind of doubt that there's anything magical or wondrous about me or about the universe. The way that that is woven, just that experience of doubt is woven, has the foundations of mystery in it. Yeah. So it's, it, 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 it's unavoidable, but maybe like fish underwater, it's so everywhere yeah. that we miss it. Yeah. That we miss it. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, talk to a fish. One fish swims <laughs> by the other fish. It's like, hey, the water's warm today. The fish like nods and goes and sees his, you know, there are two fish walking, he look, turns to look at his friend and he's like, what's water? It's, you know, I don't believe in water. Water doesn't exist. Yeah. It's like, you can discuss it all you want, but, but it's there. It's the substrate yeah. of everything. And I suppose that's where words do us the service because we try to put things into words. Exactly. It's like, um, which is, which is yeah. fine. It's, it's when we mistake the symbol for the experience. And, and, and that's the world, I think, that we live in. And, and you said something, even, even with, within, within psychedelics, even within these practices, even within these practices that promise freedom, mm. they've been absorbed. Mm. And, 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 and that's the part that's tricky, these revolutionary ways. This, this, isn't, this isn't the first time in history that, that we're looking back at the world and, and, and the world that we've created and looking back, it's like we've missed something. We've missed the why of this. We've missed the ability to look out into this in awe, look back at ourselves in awe. So these revolutionaries or, or, or these individuals that, that for whatever reason, that's where words like grace come in, for whatever reason, got a peak. Somehow they had some kind of experience. They got a peek and, and they come back to the others. They're like, oh, what I've just seen. Mm-hmm. You have no idea. We, we've been getting it wrong. We, we're missing most of what the world is. And believe me, once you see this, things aren't going to look as bad. It's, it's going to take on a whole new life of what we are and our place in it. But we are so... I, um, I want to use a word like conditioned, but we are so enamored, conditioned, enveloped by this one story. And it's, and it's a big story, and it's a collective story. <clears throat> the, the, the mythology and the philosophies that, that we hold so dear that we will disregard our own personal experience that's right in front of us in order to be able to hold on to our previous stories. And all of these deep practices, all of these ways of liberation, ways of freedom, ways to pierce the veil. You know, and I think Alan Watts said it, it's like um, the veil that hides the face of God from the angels. And that's, ah, just love that term. They're absorbed by the story. Christianity was revolutionary on the edges and it was genius, but it was absorbed by the culture and made to be part of the same story. So it became not wondrous, it became something out there that's part of the story. Here's how the story is absorbed. Buddhism, Christianity, psychedelics, I'm seeing the same thing happening mm. now. Where it's, where it's, where it's, it can be a way to really pierce our way of seeing ourselves and our place in the world and even the direction forward or the full realization 
of what we are. And it's not going to be in words. It, it, by definition, it can't be in words. It's, it'd be like trying to you know, drink the ocean through a straw to try to envelope what we are in words. But we deal in more than words. Mm. If I asked you, you know, do you know what time is? Probably no. Got a pretty good grasp. Now, if you start trying to explain to me what time is in words, mm. you realize really quickly that what you understand as an experience can't be so easily put into words. And that's what we are. We're, we're, we're so much bigger than that. But even now, psychedelics are being used as a way to play your part better within the story that you already have. Mm. A way to do better at your job, yoga, corporate yoga. You know, it's like, well, yeah. here's, here's yeah. a way to, to, to be a better employee, a better worker within the same story. These were revolutionary things. It wasn't a way to, to, to keep the culture going in the same direction it is. Yeah. It was a way to kick the doors down, you know, kick yeah. the windows out. You know, it's, it's not a way to rearrange the furniture of the prison. <laughs> it's a way to realize that, that, that the prison door is open. And, and that's what, what is so tricky about this. Sometimes people yes. will be like, well, you know, how do I use what you're doing in order to further my story? That's, that's so true. Uh, we, we tend to always, especially in the Western society, take something like yoga and it's like, boom, okay, use it for this, this, this. And it becomes another way of, yeah, part of the system to some degree. Um, so what, what happened in your, I know you guys, you and Devin teach, teach yoga or taught yoga. Mm. Did that practice lead to you furthering your movement practice, which then led to like, how did that evolution take place where you eventually started helping people to point them back at themselves and, and kind of break, break some of that kind of conditioning or that, yeah. how did that? It reminded me, and, it's, and we repeat the same stories, wanting, wanting a different answer. It reminded, when I first got into yoga, it reminded me of, of being an altar boy, of, okay, maybe, maybe there's, or there's something here. It's, and, and I was having a hard time. I didn't know anything about yoga. I had taken one class, the physical part of it, and walked in and did a teacher training not knowing anything. And they were giving me so much, so many different pieces of philosophy and doshas, koshas, and energetic bodies, and pranayama, and asana. And I couldn't, I understood some of the philosophy. I understood, um, you, know, you know, the Vedanta philosophy, and I understood the non-dual, and I understood Patanjali. I mean, I understood within the scope of, of what they were trying to point at, and I, and I understood the physical practice that they were somehow trying to connect to this philosophy. And I didn't get it. I, 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 I didn't understand. And then, and then the answers that I was given was, oh, well, all, all of these shapes, these 3,000 shapes or whatever it is, it's just to help you meditate better, you know, to sit so you can kind of sit and focus. And I'm like, that doesn't make a lot of sense. Well, it's to show you that, you know, your physical sensations are an illusion. I was like, that doesn't make any sense. So the, the more answers that I was given, they were contradictory. It's, again, it was down the same rabbit hole of, it doesn't seem like anyone really knows what's going on here. Yeah. It seems like some dude, you know, thousands of years ago came back out of the forest, <coughs> came back out of the forest with a real experience of something. And people were kind of questioning me like, dude, your eyes are different. You're glowing and you have a different, like things aren't bothering you the way that they were. You're, you're speaking differently. What happened? And you could see him almost attempting to give 
a very honest, well, you know, I was moving and I was experiencing and, and it felt like this. And they're like, oh, I, I, I want that too. So tell me exactly how to move. And, and how did you breathe? Oh, and for how many seconds? And you can just see them shaking their heads like, no, this isn't the thing. It's an experience. There is no formula. And again, it felt like I was going back into a formula, into an incantation that if we did this and this and this, and then this would happen. And I saw, and, and that's what I was being told. It's like, you do this, and eventually this happens. And I was seeing people that had been doing this for a long time, but the fruits of the seeds weren't there. I was still seeing really pissed off people within the stories that they had before, using this the same way that they used anything in their previous life. Before it used to be, you know, how, how new my BMW is and do I have, you know, the biggest penthouse in Manhattan and now it's, you know, how many years have I been practicing? What pose am I on? How flexible am I? You know, how many workshops did I do last year? I'm more peaceful than you are. My ego is smaller than yours. It's the same game. It's the same game. So, so what, what is happening? What, what, what's, what's the disconnect? And apart from that, I was seeing people get hurt. Okay. So not only was it a practice that wasn't connecting to the philosophy in the way that it's said or the, or the way that, that something in me was like, this, this, this can be doing more. This can be feeling more. It was also in, in the dogma of the yoga practice and how the, the movements were being taught were also hurting people. So that's, that's where I started, kind of sneakily behind the scenes. I would be helping people to do these poses without getting hurt. And that's how I started into the physical aspect. And then I started seeing something else happen. Since I didn't know what I was doing, these teachers had 20, 30 years experience on me and I was challenging and questioning the ways that they were moving. And they were asking me, well, you know, who did you study with? You know, what letters do you have behind your name? Uh, why should I listen to you? You know, what's, what's your lineage? I was like, well, shit, okay, well, if I, if I want to sit at this table, then I've, let me go look, because I, I was pretty confident in what I was feeling. I was working with some people that, that knew about the body, but then I would start to read and research and experiment with my own body and a couple of guinea pigs of people that would come to me for help and, and we would work together. And what I was discovering was that there was a lot more intelligence in the body if we get out of the way of what the body's trying to do. If we, instead of forcing the body into a shape that we think is somehow gonna fix it, if we start to explore the movements of the body from the inside and allow those to develop, things started to clear, compensation started to clear. And not only that, but the inner world started to get bigger. People's ability to feel and sense and explore what they are started to expand. And that opened up another world. It's phenomenal. That's, that's awesome, man. Um, so I'm curious, like your personal kind of life philosophy and the way you, you go through life on a day-to-day -day basis, like what, what are some of the more like, say, practical practices that you incorporate um, that allow you to, to yeah, be in the state that you are? I know you were telling me a story once where you, you were walking to the shop and you were, you were so engrossed in the walking that you just walked straight past the shop. Mm. Like getting into those kind of flow states, is there anything specific practice? Like again, we're trying to, is mm. there, the movement, uh, I suppose somebody would actually have to attend a workshop or, or, or look at what you're doing to, to get, a, I suppose, some kind of concept of, of what you do. But what, what else, I suppose, for those listening who can take something like away, um, 
would you offer up as ways of getting into your body and feeling and experiencing? It, it, <laughs> it's difficult because it's so simple. I mean, the the way in is is this, yeah. and it's it's what we all have, and it doesn't require anything more than what we're already capable of doing. It's easier sometimes for someone that doesn't have a practice, mm. that hasn't been aiming at a certain direction in a certain way for yeah. a long time. It is quite liberating, I must mm. say. I mean, I personally, with my my kind of, okay, I started off younger, and then it's the gym, and it's the weight, and it's this and that. And, and as I got older, I realized I can't you know, move, move, move more for my my mental state. And it allows me to be, but then it's, it's the different practices and the different martial arts or whatever and it's but having experienced this very limited amount of what you do even since then like I did a yoga class and I went running and, and just starting to to trust more in my body hmm. and the small little breakthroughs I've had from just our conversations and your one workshop it's like I'm starting to view the whole area of movement and our bodies and as it's, it's in the field. It's difficult to put into words. That's why I, I knew this podcast would be slightly somewhat challenging because I'm trying to grasp at, at words to, to put into the um, into into what it is. I want to direct people at your so you you and Devin subsequently started. Is it Fluid Us? Mm-hmm. Is that what it's called? Is that your I suppose company? Is that what where you people can find your offerings? Yeah. Um, to get somewhat of an idea. Uh, if, if people are intrigued uh, to find out more. Absolutely, uh, yeah. Flutus, and, it, and, and I spent so, so long, and, and Devin Devin's was after me for a while because it is important for to be found, to have someone be able to talk about it. But I was so, because of everything that we talked about, so kind of against mm. making this into another box, making yeah. this into, well, here's the set of poses, here's the set of shapes, because what it is, it's, it's a vision. It's a way to explore. It's, it's, it's a way to look at what we are <clears throat> in the body. And, and the way in is to feel. That's, that's the way in. The way in is to soften and to feel. I mean, you, you were there. It's very rarely am I saying squeeze this or do this more or, you know, more discipline. It's, it's, we have plenty of that. We, we, we're kind of a culture that's fascinated with, with discipline and, you know, no pain, no gain and those things. But we have plenty of that. What we need is to be able to feel. We feel so little of, of, of our capacity to feel. There's, speaking about Alan Watts, I mean, this, is, this isn't a new thing of, of, of trying to get back to our, our ability to sense. And, and we think that we do, but mostly what we see in front of us, the, the way that we take in our world is much less from how it feels than how we think. We have a story and we see the story that we've laid out in front of us and, and, and we look for things to that buoy up that one story. So slowing someone down enough that they start to feel. Mm. Not what they think they should be feeling. Not the ways that they think that they should be thinking. But to really be, I'll, I'll quote Terrence McKenna, in the direct sense of felt experience. I'm sorry, in the felt sense of direct experience. Not the ideas of it, but this moment, this body, right now. What does it feel like? Not what you think the body should be doing in order to someday get to some other thing. This moment, this moment right now. And it's that, and I think it's in that same heart as, as Zen Koans, mm-hmm. where 
there's yeah. these unanswerable riddles. And th- there's this one story, there's, there's millions of stories about Zen koans, about, you know, this, this, this disciple being, being given a koan. And, and, and the disciple, you know, every day you go in to your, to your master, to the Zen master, and you're supposed to give your answer to the koan. And the, the, the master's koan was, you know, what was, what was your face before your mother and father were born? And then, you know, the, the student for the first couple of days gives these verbal answers and, and the master would just shake his head. Nothing else, just shake his head and send you off. And you start getting very frustrated. The, the student would get more and more frustrated and more and more frustrated. And as soon as like, I got this, you know, I'm going to go and I'm going to get a, a toad because the master wants something weird. He brought the master. The master asked, you know, what was your face before your mother and father were born? He shows him the toad. The master looks at him and he's like, too intellectual. It's like, it's here. It's thinking too much. But once you get to a certain level of frustration where you realize that this is not going to answer the question mm-hmm. and you just, whether it's explode on the master or slam the desk with your hand or scream, and the master's like, aha, there you are. There you are, without thought in this experience. And it's not always about being right and wrong. Mm-hmm. There's, another, there's another story about uh, these three monks uh, sitting at the table with their master and their master is is talking to them about you know being being in the moment, and all of a sudden it starts to rain. And there's it's a thatched roof in the tea house, so it starts to rain and it starts to pour on the table. And one of the students immediately goes and grabs a sieve and puts it up to catch the water. And obviously it's a sieve, so the water goes right through it. The second student looks at it, looks up, grabs a bucket, very thoughtful, puts the bucket there. And the water is caught by the bucket and the table doesn't get wet anymore. The master looks at the student that brought the bucket, that solved the problem, and looks at him and he goes, good. Then he looks at the other student, the one that without thought immediately jumped up and brought the sieve that didn't quite solve the problem, but he acted in the moment. He looks at him and he goes, better. It's not about right and wrong. It's about being in that experience of what we are. Mm. And that's what we're attempting through movement, through breath, through philosophy, through storytelling, through revisiting mythology, through in, in our own ways, these, these koans, these places that put you in a conundrum, mm. in a place where the only way to answer it is to look deeply inside yourself and find that answer for you because no one else's answers are ever going to satisfy. Yeah. And I think we're enamored with that, right? Getting the right answer, someone else's so, answer. Our culture is so so enamored with that way of thinking and and even to to tell somebody okay feel it it's it's almost has to become somewhat of a practice to to be able to because still your mind comes back and it's like okay it's 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 quite a yeah um, but even in that sense your mind comes even in the in the words that we use your mind comes back your mind comes back from where your mind. Yeah. We, we even pit ourselves against ourselves and yeah. say there's this thing called yeah. mind and this thing called body and then there's this third thing called me and then me has got to be the go-between between mind and body. And this is a story. This is a story that, that we've grown up with that starts to be very real, real that we don't even question anymore. So to bring these things back into question, to bring these, these opportunities to have a real felt experience of what we are. And, and that's, that's a tricky thing to do we're not we're not used to feeling even when i tell somebody well just feel it's like am i feeling right is this is this mm. the right way to feel mm. 
and, and we're, we're taught this from such a young age to constantly look for the approval, for the pat on the head, for someone to tell us that, that we're doing well. And, and we move this on into our, you know, into our teachers and into our bosses and into our gurus and into the practice and into someone else to take the responsibility on whether the experience of being you or being me is, is the good one. Am I, am I doing me I do. right? And, and, it's, and it's a tricky thing. I don't know. There's no way for me to ever do the experience of being you. Yeah. I can help you find the door in. But, mm-hmm. but that's, that's a divine thing that you are responsible for the experience of whatever it is that you are. And no one else's answers to what the world is are ever going to satisfy you. That's one thing I've realized, yeah, like seeking, next person, read the next book, read the next. Mm. Okay, that person seems to have answers. But there's something missing. It's like you said, mm. nobody else's answers will ever satisfy you. Even, even the things, it, we... we we have this idea because someone else has told us. Most of us have never looked through a telescope, but we've been told what's out there. We've been told. We've been told that, you know, the earth spins around the sun. The sun no longer spins around the earth, but even our language is still talking about sunrises and sunsets. And we've been told this. But how many of us have actually sat during a sunrise watching the horizon, watching this curved horizon, watching the light start to come and really try to be there with the felt sense of the experience, of the understanding that we are on this huge ball rolling towards this fiery thing and have that be our direct experience of it instead of having a teacher tell us this is what happens, memorizing it and then regurgitating that and then giving that back to them where our whole world is inside a world of symbols that have no teeth, that have no substance, that they're two-dimensional, that we haven't turned it on its side and seen the third dimension like seen or felt the experience for ourselves what we are yeah there's blood running through our veins yeah but if you sat there and breathed and played with your breath and felt the blood pulsing and wondered who's doing that and if it's not you then who and then what's going on when this happens and what am I feeling when it's this and why when I do this do I feel this and even within the mind it's not wrong like these things that, oh, I have to control my mind. Mm. Well, who's the you that's controlling? And then if, it's, mm. if the mind's not you, it's something else, then that's a question right there. Like mm. being within that, like what am I doing? I'm trying to control my mind. There's so much to go into in what those words even mean. Those definitions, we don't know what mind is. Mm. We don't know what I am. But we're slamming the I've got to control my mind together and thinking that that's the place to find magic. Mm. It's much closer to the center of what we are. Yeah. And it's much easier to get to if we can figure out a way to soften the veil for just a second. Yeah. And I've, I've definitely found that what you, what you explained to me, just how I'm thinking about it, I suppose, is in the subtle ways that we do these practices like breath work or meditation or, or movement, and even for us moving out here to Scarborough and getting to be out in nature and walking around at sunset and seeing the sunset, putting yourself in certain situations like this, almost it's, it's creating the, 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 ground, the groundwork for us having more of these fault experiences, I've felt. So there is, I suppose, to some degree, things you can do mm-hmm. which help facilitate that, that awe, that wow, that, that looking at a sunset, that being, being in certain environments that 
that mm. elicit that that more of just less my less less thinking and more more feeling more being mm. um, and i'm I'm very intrigued with with the movement stuff that you guys are doing because the more I've got in touch with my body to some degree, if you want to explain it that way, it's, it's so much magic. Um, mm. So it's, it's exciting because it's like, I suppose, it's a journey that gets more and more exciting. Um, it's endless. It'll, it'll, it'll weirdly become an obsession. And, mm. and, and not, not an obsession in the sense, but, but people tell me about being bored. I don't remember the last time I was bored. Because when you really start to uncover what you are, everything about you and the way that you think and the way that you feel and what that means becomes so fascinating that we're little kids again. We're little kids asking why, but we realize that no one has the answers, so we just keep exploring, we keep playing, we keep looking. Mm. That's, uh, sorry, project there. I just, it's like one of Jesus' teachings. What does he say? I mean, it's... Become like little children. You have to become like little. Cho- you have to become like kids to reach the kingdom of heaven. I don't know if I'm I'm butchering that phrase, but mm-hmm. and it's it's like ah, that essence that there's that's mm-hmm. this it, the, po- the finger pointing at the moon. It's like there's it's like there there's there's some magic in that. Oh, I'll quote that too. Since we're since we we both come from the same kind of mythology, and yeah. it's. Uh, the kingdom of heaven is is not going to come up there, you know. Some of the day, the kingdom of heaven is spread out be- beneath people's feet, and they don't see it. That I mean, yeah. the, the words are in our mythology. It's mm-hmm. ju- it's just not the words that are convenient for culture. Yeah. So that's those aren't the ones that are kind of spoken yeah. on the pulpit. Because could you imagine? Yeah. I mean, we, we talk about midlife crisis, and and I think that that there's a gift there because even in the asking of the questions. There's a grace to it. I, I, why was I so lucky to have these questions be something that were so profound to me? We, we, we have this egoic sense sometimes, like these questions, I, I've been a good person, so I've become worthy of these questions. Well, yeah. most of our lives, are we doing them or are we being done? We're part of this process that we're surfing on. So even if you're one of the lucky ones that's asking the questions, oh, God, like that's that's a gift right yeah. there. That's, yeah. that's, that's the doorway in. And seeing and setting definitely matters. Putting yourself in places where you're able to drop out for a second. Dropping out, that's an old Tim- Timothy Leary, you know, drop out. Like that, that drop out drop feeling. You want to tune in and drop out or something. Yeah, drop yeah. out and tune in. And, yeah. and, and that was a sense. And, and you can take that to be in the olden days where, you know, people would drop out completely and leave culture. Like yeah. go beyond the pale. Go beyond... The protection of of cultural walls of city walls and they will go out and become hermits for like the end of their life mm. but the end of the life used to be around you know 39 you know mm. 40 years old and, and culture could most could, could mostly handle you know people didn't quite have midlife crises until about that age where they had these really deep questions so for the most part the cultural mythology would kind of hold by the time people would start asking the really deep questions there was only a couple of old people that would make it that far anyway. They would become hermits, go off into the pale, and everybody else would kind of die. Now at 40, we're still way alive, and we're looking around for a new story because the story of culture, the story that we bought into, is no longer, is no longer serving us. So the idea of dropping out doesn't necessarily have to be going off into the forest, but it's, mm. it's dropping out of the story. It, which is which is where it's where it's tricky and frustrating when someone comes to me to 
let them continue to live more peacefully within that story. And, and, and it's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Everyone has their own part to play. Yeah. But, but the part that I'm interested in is, is, is showing a new story. And I'll, I'll, I'll say to people sometimes that when I walk in, especially when I'm walking into yoga, to yoga places, at the beginning it could seem that I'm kind of killing Santa Claus. That I'm... Because um, they, they really want to believe. And yeah. oh, they're, they're there and they're sitting. You, know, you walk into a yoga class and everybody knows how to like, look magical, right? And spiritual. And everybody's got like... Everybody looks the part and does the thing, and they're wearing the the robes and the mala beads, yeah. and their faces look appropriately, you know, sincere and serious, and yeah. and a little bit off putting. So, you know, if they, if they look that serious, that means obviously they much must be very spiritual. And I'll start to poke holes in this, and at the be- and, and I and I do I, I feel it because I can feel kind of the heartbreak when they're like, wait, but this is, yeah, yeah, this is. And if I truly thought that they believed it, if I truly thought that this was a story that was full of wonder for them and their whole life was infused with wonder because of this story, I wouldn't say a thing. Mm. I would, that's perfect. That's, that's it. You know, live, live in that wonder. But it's not. It's a flimsy story that a lot of times we're doing this. Mm. And then anybody that says anything against that story we either fight them or shut them down or speak louder because we understand how fragile that story is. Mm. But behind that fragile story, there's a profound wonder, there's a profound intelligence, there's a profound magic that's real and that magic isn't gonna care if you throw it up against the wall or step on it or challenge it. Mm. By all means, challenge it because the, the, cha- the more you challenge, the more wonder and magic you find. And that's, and, and that's the silliness. Like we're walking around as if magic and wonder are things of kids. But the ones that kind of go down this path, no matter what science or philosophy they go down, every one of them get to a certain cliff. As far as they go, they go to a certain level of understanding, a level of knowing. And all that level of knowing does is takes them closer to this cliff that drops out into this vast unknowing mystery. All of it. Science, philosophy, biology, um, astrophysics, uh, quantum physics, um, the study of consciousness, psychology. All of these take us to a certain level of understanding and they've all got it to a certain place. And most of us never go to that place with them. So we all assume that it's a continuous line into infinite knowing that goes that way. But the amount of knowing is about that big. And the amount of mystery is infinite. So we're all mystics mm. swearing that someone else understands this world so yeah. we can pierce that veil and get yeah. everyone into that mystery, especially those that are looking for something magical that are, are those that have gone to that, to that level of life. A midlife crisis is only a crisis mm. for culture. It's a rebirth for an individual. Mm. It's a possibility for the rebirth. Because what can happen is we go and we try to fill that crisis, that crisis of consciousness, that crisis of story. We try to fill it with what culture told us, you know, we fill it with cars. I mean, that's, you know, that's the, the, yeah. the, the big joke that, you know, we get the fancy sports car or, you know, we get the younger partner or we get whatever it is. And hopefully we come to our senses, which basically means, you know, this is all life is. Mm. This is all you get. You're a silly old man. You know, we see you in your red sports car and you're cool. You know, we see you with your plastic surgery. That's fine. And just, you know, now it's time to get ready to go off and die. And hopefully your religious stories 
Mm. You believe them strong enough because that's what you're going to have to keep you warm at night. Mm. But for the lucky ones that have that crisis that don't, aren't so easily assuaged and they start asking bigger questions, Mm. that's an opportunity to retouch magic. For sure. Do you think fear of death is, that's something I've pondered for for a while and comes up a lot, but fear of death is, 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 I suppose the number one of the number one fears that people have that's driving this this desire to create these stories and, and figure it out okay and, and 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 I feel like the people that have broken through that fear of death truly broken through then they can start to experience more of their magic and, and have that mm-hmm. uh, what is your view on that um, absolutely I mean yeah mortality is is a big one um, and that these stories try to um <laughs> <coughs> no, he just kind of growled a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> um, I, I do. I do. I do believe that fear of death is is a big driver of not only the stories, but but the refusal to let go of the only life raft that we have mm-hmm. in this ocean. But even that, I mean, in order to really fear death, don't you have to kind of know what life is? Don't you have to kind of, if you're afraid of you dying, the first question should be, what is you? To even know if death is something that you need to fear. There's so many assumptions right before that where that's why I say that these stories aren't enough because nobody's, nobody's buying. Mm. Nobody's buying the stories that are an attempt to assuage our fears of death. Mm. Nobody. Nobody. It's nobody. And it's like from the Pope to the Dalai Lama to nobody's buying them. Mm. These stories are incompatible with that felt sense of direct experience. And, and, and that's the problem. Now, there is a deeper understanding of, of what we are that can assuage that mm. to a degree. But it's going to have to come not at the kindergarten level of understanding, not at the kindergarten level of religion that we allow ourselves as enough like here you, you get this little piece you get this little um was it was it Nietzsche that called it um the opiate of the masses that religion you get this little amount of opium that's just enough to make sure that you continue being a member of society in the ways that we need you to be just a little bit, just enough to keep you going, just enough to make sure that you don't go off the deep end and you're like, well, I'm going to die, so what the hell does it matter if I show up to my factory job tomorrow and make your widget because who cares? And why should I buy the other widgets that are being sold because of all this? Well, that starts to, to break down, so we're given just enough of a life raft to hold on, but nobody really buys it. Mm-hmm. So we're all walking around pretending that we believe in these big stories about where we'll go after we die and that it's paradise and it's... Trillion of do- trillions of dollar industry mm. about you know getting people to not be afraid of death and none of it's working but we're still such hungry ghosts that we're pouring more and more of ourselves to try to believe in something and in that, that hunger to try to believe in something we'll believe anything mm. and we'll do some very strange things and we'll disregard some very important um, questions of who we are for sure I think um, there's so many rabbit holes we could go down. We could chat all day. I know mm-hmm. you've got, you got things to do, some time constraints. Mm-hmm. I will link up, basically, where people can find you. I'll put that in, in there. Cool. Um, is there anything else you would like to add before we end off? And uh, Yeah, this has been so amazing, man. Uh, 
First of all, thank you. I mean, this is we could talk for hours. Yeah. I, I feel I feel like now we're we're starting to finally get to yes. to to the depth of it, and it's because we're all kind of meandering down yes. language, which is the best that we've got to to try to get from here to there mm. is, and then but, but but it's but it's a maze. Mm. It's a maze of language, and we trip over words. But I think now we're we're finally to, starting to get into 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 the depth of it. I listened, to, just, uh, I listened to something yesterday morning and it was such a nice analogy. It was like, it's like we're children who've been thrown a million piece puzzle and we've taken like four pieces together and we think we've figured it out. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, we've got it. And it's, it's absurd. We don't, but that's great. Yeah. And we've stopped looking. Yeah. And we've stopped looking. It's, and, and, and that's where all the magic is. That's where all the good stuff is. I mean, we, we've, there's a, Truman Show is, is one of my, I, I love that movie and, there's there's a part in the Truman Show where they're trying to keep him from, and there's a part in the Truman Show where they're they're obviously trying to keep him as a child from leaving, you know, his his enclosure because they want to keep him there, and they're trying to fool him into thinking that yeah. this is the whole world. So he's in, I think it's geography class, you know, and and they're asking, well, what do you want to be? And he raises his hand. He's like, I want to be an explorer. And the teacher looks at him, and is like, Ah, oh, I'm sorry, Truman. All the places have been discovered already. And, and, and that's where we are. We're, we're thinking that someone else has all of these answers. We've stopped looking. We've stopped experiencing. We're, we're told that there's nothing else for us to experience, that here it is. It's all done. It's pre-digested. Mm. You, what you are is not pre-digested. It's not predetermined. No one knows. Mm. And once you understand that that kind of mystery is in you, you can start to look again. So movement just happens to be the easier way in because of words, because of language. If I start to talk to someone, their story is so strong that they'll have a million reasons why their story is the one and they'll, they'll deflect and they'll meander and that story will defend itself inside of them. Mm. But now if I ask them to place their hands on themselves and feel or breathe and feel or move in a certain way and feel, not telling you why, not telling you what the outcome is, just try this. What did you experience? What happens if you do this? Huh, try this. When they start to feel something, it no longer matters what I'm saying. Now they're in an experience that's beyond words. And then they can come out and we can discuss what happened. But what we're trying to do is not just get people to move better. That's, that's easy. Mm. That's almost easy. The, the body has an intelligence in it. And we're lucky enough to have asked some really good questions about how the body moves and helping people kind of re-tap into that intelligence. Mm. The cooler part of what we do is using that doorway in to connect people with the wonder of themselves and the wonder of the universe. Not for a practice every once in a while, but as a way that when you're walking around in your life, you see it. You're not being told that it's there. You don't need to be told that it's there. It doesn't matter what this guru says, what I said, what I said. I mean, challenge me. Challenge your own beliefs. Challenge what you see and what you're told because what's behind those words, what's behind that veil is worth the salt. It's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you so much for this. Thank this you, is, man. This has been, yeah, since I've met you from the first conversation we have, it's been like, yeah. So I'm glad I got to capture some of that in this and, and um, thank you, yeah. Thank you for taking the time before you guys. Awesome, dude. Tomorrow.
when we come back again, let's do it again. We will definitely. Yeah, we'll, and we'll set up a couple of hours and we'll, you know, yeah. have a drink here and we'll just kind of yeah, like chill yeah, and yeah, talk yeah. and, you 100%. know, cut it up later and see what, definitely. what works. But yeah, this was awesome.